Clemson podcast. Today is Sunday, November 8th, and the nation lost four undefeated teams, including three of the top 10 this week. Clemson's 9-0 and won the Atlantic, and life is good. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys, and welcome back. Um, quick shout out, we'd like, like to encourage you guys all to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes or on whichever podcasting app or platform you prefer. Um, a lot of people like apps like Overcast and Stitcher to tune into podcasts out there on your smartphones. We're definitely available on those. Um, we also upload our recordings to SoundCloud. SoundCloud's got a pretty cool interface overall, so um, you can find us on any of those platforms. Um, and one last comment here. We'd really appreciate if everyone, all of our listeners, would head over to iTunes and uh, leave us a review. That way, folks looking for any Clemson content, Clemson podcasts, will be able to find us and uh, join the ranks of our listeners. So appreciate that. Um, before we get started, Ben, I think you, you had a couple things to say. Yeah, well, first, congratulations, man. Uh, you brought uh, your first child, uh, your son Thomas Patrick Tully, into the world last week. How's fatherhood going so far? Fatherhood's great. Um, really don't, don't know what's hit us yet, but um, no, it's been amazing. We're so so in love with the, the little guy, and it's been a blessing so far. And um, Mom's great. Baby's great. We got home on Friday evening or Friday afternoon, and um, everything's been good. But fortunately, timing worked out with... Um, with football this week, you know, it's not all about football. You know, this is definitely a huge, huge time of our lives. So we're just happy everybody's healthy and, and happy at this point. Yeah, I got to meet the little guy for the first time today. Um, cute little guy and uh, <laughs> got to see him. He was wearing his Clemson jersey on Saturday. That's He's right. 1-0. Uh, good luck charm for us. Uh, I'd like to also point out that despite uh, the becoming a new father, Tully was able to make it to the bar yesterday to watch the game <laughs> and to make it here to record this podcast. But Cody, on the other hand, well, he's not at either. What was his excuse? Uh, I'm not sure. Actually, uh, it, it turns out he's had some friends in town. He actually watched the game yesterday with a bunch of Gamecock fans. And I, I actually am curious, did he actually watch the Clemson game? Like, it's not confirmed yet. He's actually, you know, tuned in, but... Um, Anyway, you know, big thanks to my wife taking care of the little guy during during the game. I was able to cut out for the second half. Um, fortunately, I, Ben and I are neighbors. I can just pop over here, take an hour out of fatherhood to record. But um, anyway, yeah, Cody, he's still still out there somewhere. So maybe maybe you guys will hear from him soon. Um, but yeah, you you all tuned in to hear about FSU. So um, good news, Clemson in defeating Florida State this week. At Death Valley, uh, clinched the Atlantic title. This is our second in, I believe it's, is it three years? We won in um, the 2011 season, so four years. Um, since then, it's been all FSU. And typically, the last five years, as it goes, the winner of that game goes on to win the ACC and represent the conference you know, in bigger and better things. Um, we all have our sights set on that this year. Um, it looks like we'll probably face off against the Tar Heels in Charlotte in that first weekend in December. But... Uh, it's nice to see, number one, like some, you know, the picture starting to get a little clearer in the conference. And of course, you know, for Clemson to get this win uh, was just massive. And, you know, you can uh, say all you want about kind of th that loss in 2013, how much that hurt. But I feel like this year um, we were the better team coming in. I think in 2013, a lot of us overlooked Florida State, didn't really legitimize what Jameis Winston had done to that point. We found out how good he was. I think this time the better team showed who they were, and unfortunately we were on the right end of that, even despite kind of what some would, what everyone would agree was kind of a rocky start. So, Ben, what were kind of some of your like just overall takeaways from this game? Well, first off, wow, what what an amazing, exciting game to watch. Um, I'm happy to say that for the first time in my lifetime, I saw a number one ranked uh, Clemson football team take the field, and also very happy to say that we won that game. Um, I know going into it. Uh, just kind of how things have been in the past. You, you always worry, especially playing against Florida State, uh, ranked number one. We're the third youngest team in the nation. So to have that type of pressure put on you in a situation like this and to come out and perform and win, 
uh, was huge. I know that we were all tense there at the beginning of the game. I think for the first time, you know, when they jumped out to that 7 nothing lead on that Dalvin Cook 75-yard run right out of the gates mm-hmm. and then drove down the field on their next possession threatening to score before Adrian Baker had that pick, you know, I was looking at it there. I was like, wow, they could be about to go up 14 to nothing, and here we go again. And it was the first time that this season that I thought was thinking, man, we really we could lose this. Um, so it'd be, it was, and was interested to see, you know, and you know, nervous to see if we were actually be able to turn it around. But it turns out we did. Um, we we looked like the better team the whole game, and we we shook off uh, some early mistakes and a little rusty start. Uh, but we, but listen, we dominated uh, the stats, and I think when you take a step back and look at it, we were clearly the better team. Um, you know. We had almost like 150, uh, about 150 more total yards on offense than they did. We uh, four minutes more time of possession. We won the turnover battle, uh, two to nothing. Uh, first downs, we had 29. They had 14. I mean, that was big, and the stats are pretty telling. Again, it was some early mistakes. It was some big runs given up to Dalvin Cook, which we knew was going to be an issue because you know FSU's offense kind of thrives on hitting the home run. Uh, but through it all, we were able to overcome that and came out with a 10-point win. Yeah, I think, I don't know if you want to chalk it out to the moment being too big potentially for the players at the start. I mean, I think there have been a couple other games this season where we had slow starts. Um, one of those was a road game at Louisville. And then the second was Boston College kind of got off. They scored on their first drive. We we either turned the ball over or had a three and out. Um, but neither of those, you know, I don't think either of us or anybody expected us to lose those games. We felt in control through those. Um so that I don't think anyone can over exaggerate that Baker interception. What that meant for you know you you can say momentum's a myth, but that that really just brought the confidence of the defense up, um, and then for the offense to get a series after that. Um, I, I don't know if we actually went down and scored on the next series, but we were able to get our sea legs under us a little bit from that point on, um, and and turn it around. I, I do think in a way though Deshaun Watson seemed to be rattled. I mean he was missing some. Um, some screen pass throws. He, he missed um, Jordan Leggett on one or two. You know, one of them was a sure touchdown over through that ball. So um, it was good to see Deshaun settle down later on in the game. Definitely lead us to back to glory and back to a point total that, that ultimately won us this game. Um, and he got a lot of that done with his legs, too. I think we'll talk about the offense here in more detail. But, you know, having a winning quarterback like that, be able to, you can rely on him on the offensive side. And even though he, he does make mistakes, to be able to, overcome that persevere um and just you know not not shy away from things um was crucial um and i don't want to bring up you know demons of the past or anything i just i remember back in the florida state 2013 game unfortunately i don't think we had that like um i think that it was kind of a a whole team let down potentially i don't want to put anything on taj boyd at that point but i think that um the fact that the team brought him back into it this time i think deshaun deshaun was leading the charge yeah, but really all across the board, just the talent level that we have on both sides of the ball and how we are now stack up very favorably uh, against uh, really good football teams. Like, we're there in talent level. We have the guys, and again, third youngest team in the country. So it's not just this year. I said this coming into this season that I thought 2016 was going to be our year to make a run. Now, it just so happens that it's happening a year before, which is fantastic. You know, uh, you know, the way the schedule's set up, you know, we talked about this before, ha- yep. has been um, beneficial. Um, we, but, we got our hard games at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just, and some teams, you know, Louisville wasn't as good as we thought they would be. And then Notre Dame's had some injuries, although I still think they're a really good football team. And I don't, you know, by all accounts, they could still make the college football playoff. Um but yeah, but I still maintain that, that we're going to be even better next year. We just happen to be making a good run this year, and all the pieces are starting to fall into place the right way. You know, we really uh, avoid any additional injuries uh, throughout the season, really after the Mike Williams um, injury, which who knows at this point. Hopefully he can still come back because after watching the offense sputter a little bit at the beginning of this game, I really think we could use him. Uh, but other than that, we've been, you know, pretty um, fortunate. Uh Coming out of this game, we saw Crowder go down early. Uh, it turns out that's a turf toe injury. And then Ray McLeod uh, with an MCL sprain. But uh, neither appears to be serious, and we expect both of them to get back. And this was a really tough, hard-fought football game. I mean, make no mistake about it. This wasn't some you know weak ACC team. This was Florida State, and they may still be rebuilding, but they still have a lot of talent on the field. 
Um, and that, that was a very that was a hard hitting game. It really was. That was a game one in the trenches, um, and it showed. And we came out a little banged up, but you know, for the better. We're still the number one team in the country, I presume. Um, and let's move forward. Yeah, I think Larry Williams over at Tiger Illustrated pointed out like the ingredients were there for a letdown this, in, coming into this game, and we we already talked about the slow start, but you know, we were listed as a twelve point favorite. Um, against a team that we've lost to three years in a row. Uh, we received this number one ranking midweek, which absolutely could become a distraction for your team and could put an even bigger target on your backs for someone like Florida State. And then Florida State, year in, year out, they recruit well, they're stacked, they've all been there before, they don't shy away from big games and big moments. Um, and then just that specter of 2013 is hanging over the team, or could have been. So ingredients were there for a letdown, and we did have those early mistakes. Uh, but again, I think the team dug deep and found a way and fought and uh, absorbed FSU's best. We've absorbed a few other teams' kind of initial initial punches and, and rolled with it and been able to overcome. So um, one other point, I mean, I we were not there. Obviously, we were watching the game at our alumni group bar of choice out here in San Francisco. But it seemed to us, I mean, the intensity of just from what we heard through the broadcast um, as well as the reflection in the penalties that we saw, I, I, I think the fans really did show up, um, didn't shy away from any type of weather situation. And um, even though early on I, I heard a little bit too much of that Florida State pep band, um, you know, our fans stuck in there despite some adversity, which is should be recognized and applauded. Um, I think we had five delay a game and false start penalties overall, which you can credit largely to, you know, fan or just – crowd noise and disruption and obviously our defense too yeah and it's some really opportune moments for us uh to draw those penalties um again there, there were a few turning points in this game we can kind of get into uh, into those as we start to break down each side of the ball uh but i think from an overall perspective uh yeah absolutely the the fans in death valley that's always should be one of our biggest advantages in a home football game especially a big time home football game and for the crowd to stick with it um, I and never doubted that they would show up because of the rain. I mean, when we saw what happened with the Notre Dame game, I mean, this is our first game after being ranked uh, number one in the country. We were playing Florida State, a team that's beaten us uh, the past few years. And Sean McGuire beat us last year um, in a very heartbreaking loss in Tallahassee. So, uh, But for them to stick in it early after kind of some uh, a slow start, um, <clears throat> but really to, to show out and be a factor, yeah, kudos to you guys. Um, Wish we could have been there, but you know, you know, you guys, the fans, were able to make it to the game. Did a great job and really helped this team win. Ben, let's transition a bit and take a look at kind of a breakdown of. Let's start with the Clemson offense. Um, take a look at what we what we were hoping to see, what we actually did get um, in this game, and talk about basically how this impacted the outcome. Um, and you and Cody covered this in the in the preview, but. Keeping our foot on the gas pedal, um, this this offense is very high powered. If you look at the number of points scored, I think it was 116 points, 117 point, or maybe 114, 114 in the last two games coming in. Um, did we see that type of just boat race mentality coming out? Um, well, um, I, I, the score doesn't indicate that. Although I will say that we did seem to put together a lot of long drives that ultimately stalled. Um, but I think a lot of that has to do with the field position. Like, we had really bad field position to, uh, to start drives. Um, and I think that you saw that that resulted in a lot of these drives installed out, even though we took some time off the clock and we went down the field. Um, yep. But, you know, I think outside of that and a couple of mistakes, uh, the offense played really well. 512 yards, as we mentioned, a total offense, which is a good game. Absolutely. Um, but I really think it did come down to some, some mistakes and field position issues. Yeah, and I think when I when I consider our offense and us keeping our get our foot on the pedal, it's really about distributing the ball, getting our playmakers involved, um, and just you know moving the ball forward. And 512 yards of offense, we had six guys catch passes, um, we had something like five players run the ball, um, and you had guys like Jermon Hopper making an impact in the in the passing game. Wayne Gallman was catching passes too, something that he. He hasn't been prone to doing this year. Normally, that's something that Zach Brooks handles um, from the running back position. So, yeah, I mean, I think certainly we didn't come out and put up, hang up another 50s score on the on the scoreboard. This is sort of a get the offense you need to win the game. Um, 
first of all, get the comeback, and second of all, pad and maintain that lead. Um, we, we did take care of that. Yeah, so. and, and that's something that was never going to happen. We were never going to put up 50-plus in this game. I did think that we would score more. I think uh, you know a lot of credit goes to Florida State's defense. Um, you know They played probably one of their better games all year, I thought, really. Um, linebackers, uh, Terrence Smith being healthy really helped out. Uh, between Smith and Northrup, uh, they actually played a, a pretty, uh, pretty good game. They led the team uh, with 13 and 12 tackles each. Um, and, you know, but it really comes down to, you know, our, all the offensive weapons that we have between Deshaun Watson, Wayne Gallman, um, and then our bevy of wide receiver talent. Like, we, it just, it was too much uh, for them to overcome. Um, yeah, like you said, getting a lot of people involved. Jermon Hopper came up big with a few catches. Jordan Leggett was really active in this game, led yeah. the team with six receptions, I believe, over 100 yards receiving. Um, just all these different varied weapons that we have. Uh, really make this a, a hard offense to uh, defend. So even when one part of the game maybe isn't going great or the offensive line, let's say, didn't have their best game today, especially with Crowder going down, we still have enough talent there to to, to keep it together and, and just beat teams on the field. Yeah, and I think that goes, that goes to another point you guys are looking for here, which is have we continued to come up with dynamic play calling that unlocks that, that aspect and that depth of talent. And I think the the decision is yes. I mean, there may have been some curious play calls. I don't know if you have ideas to that effect, but um, overall, I mean, yeah, the fact that we were, we found that the tight end position was working. I Jordan Leggett went over 100 yards. I think he had 101 yards on six catches. Um, man, if he had caught a couple of those overthrows too, we could be talking about 150 yards, um, touchdown, et cetera, for Jordan Leggett. But yeah, I, I give the play calling good marks here finding the weaknesses in that defense where they had trouble up the middle and really exploiting that with Hopper, with Leggett. Yeah, um, yeah a few play calls, I think, on uh, short yardage uh, situations with some runs were a little odd. But for, for the most part, I think throughout the year that both these guys, uh, Elliot and Scott, have done a really good job filling in uh, Chad Morris's shoes. And as the season's gone along, we've gotten more dynamic and complex in our offense. And a lot of this has to do, too, with a lot of these freshmen that were running out there they're really able, you know, they need to get in the playbook more. So throughout the season, you're still able, able to uh, call more plays for them. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think for the most part, the play calling in my book has been very good. This offense is still a very dynamic offense. I, I thought we could have played better this game. Part of that has to do with Deshaun Watson. Um, I will say he's rounded into form, and he is legitimately becoming a, a worthy Heisman contender. He could honestly get an invite to New York, especially with like how Fournette played this weekend and Boykins of uh, TCU with four interceptions. Um, his touch was off early in this game, which we've seen in some other games this season. Uh, and I would like to see him resolve that. I think this is the one part of being a sophomore is really starting to show through with him. But it seems as he gets into games that his composure really starts to, to build and come together. And he ended the game fantastically. You know, he had that bonehead spike ball play before the half. That's not something we're used to seeing out of him. Um, but, yeah, he really pulled it together in the second half, and he was a huge leader on the field. Um, his running ability was absolutely, like, dominant in this game and, and really got some yards in some crucial situations several times in this game. There's not enough good things you can say about this kid, and he's only a sophomore. I mean, with you'll hear everybody say this, and they're right. With a quarterback like him, you can do amazing things, and we're seeing that play out. Yeah, something else, I mean, you touched on his running. Just the balance that the play calling brought and, and the Tigers brought to this, you guys were looking for that too. Uh, we ran 85 plays on offense, 43 passes, 42 rushes. Pretty much can't get more balanced than that. And while we might not have seen um, Gallman get his bones up the middle, we did see sort of edge running, delayed breaks, et cetera, work in our favor. Um, Gallman ultimately sealed the game for us with a late running touchdown. Right. So um, Florida State, I think they their interior run D was something that they showed us different looks, some exotic plays that did slow us down throughout the course of sort of the first half or kind of 90% of this game, but or the first 40 or 50 minutes. But, um, I mean, yeah, I think that balance did help out. And some of the effectiveness with getting Hopper and Leggett involved might have loosened up some of the running lanes for, for us to get 
get rushes. Yeah, and really to see uh, Gallman really get to the outside and make some plays out there was really a positive thing to see because he's been more running up the middle type of guy. So to be able to get somebody like him on the outside and then he knows when to pick his hole and turn up the field, uh, just the progression that we've seen out of this kid has been amazing. And he was huge again yesterday. Like you said, that last TD run really sealed the game, and he was there when we needed him. Um, so... Again, between him and Deshaun Watson in the backfield, we're really set moving forward. That's a solid duo right there. The offensive line, um, they did not play as well in this game. Uh, part of that was Crowder going out early. They were a little shaky early on. FSU was getting a pass rush. Um, they did seem to get better as the game went along. Maverick Morris got in there to spell Crowder, and you know he played okay. Um, but overall, they only gave up one sack and three tackles for loss um, in the whole game. Uh, Joe Gore looked a little off in the first half. There was a couple of times I just saw him standing there um, mm -hmm. on pass plays with looking around with nobody to block while there's a couple of guys in the backfield. Um, but again, overall, the, the line pulled it together. They, they played as well as we needed them to to win the game. And, and I mean, again, at the end of the day, I think in all fronts, we, we were pretty dominant. Yeah, for a minute on this O-line, I mean, if you look at some of the matchups they've faced this year, Louisville's D-line, Boston College's D-line, Notre Dame's D-line, and now Florida State. Those are four of really, I, I think at one point or another, have been top 10 ranked defenses and really the strength of those teams is their front seven. And the fact that we really haven't had very many lapses. We haven't put Deshaun Watson in harm's way. I'd have to go back and look at on a per-game basis what our, what our sack totals look like. Um, but I, you know, not yet have we done one of these recaps and talked about, man, our O-line just really, really hosed us there, really messed up for us. And, you know, I, I just have to credit our coaching staff. I mean, we had quite, we put this as a potential weak link of our team coming into the year, and it seems like it's been a, it's really been a, you know, exceeding expectation situation. Yeah, it's been one of those positions where we thought could lead to a couple of our losses this year, and they've, they've held up their end of the bargain. Uh, for the most part, they've played great, and obviously when you go up against better talented teams, like a team like Florida State, yeah, there are going to be some bad moments, and you are going to see some weaknesses come out, but you just got to continue to build as the season goes along and get better. And one, one specific moment from yesterday I loved, I went back and rewatched part of the game, and on the uh, Deion Kane touchdown, Jay Guillermo was out there kind of leading the blocking and almost kept up with him all the way into the end zone. Um, really funny sight to see. You guys should go watch that replay. But props to Jay Guillermo. Um, any previous Bojangles commentary about being out of shape and overweight, we'll direct that at the other guys on the line. But, um, yeah, props to Jay on that one. What do you think he runs? About a 4'7", about 4'8"? A <laughs> You know, soaking wet, yeah, for sure. Um, any other thoughts, I guess, in the offense? For me, there were a couple of, um, I don't want to say underperformances or no-shows, but didn't really see any greatness out of Hunter Renfro. I think that's okay. Um, he had, there's there's one deep pass I remember that um, I thought was PI or borderline PI that Renfro still could have come down with the ball. Um, I think you make that throw 10 times, he comes down with it eight or nine times, so... Um, unfortunately, he did not, and it wasn't really a huge factor. But I think for me, it's that's where Jermon Hopper came in and, and, and kind of got his catches, as well as Jordan Leggett. If you kind of add those three up, you probably average the same amount of catches and yards throughout the course of a season. So um, look for Renfro to bounce back in the next few weeks. No concerns there. Um, Artavis Scott is just Mr. Consistency. I feel like we haven't had a, a game this year. He's definitely had a few touchdowns where – um, there seems like three defenders converge on him and he bounces them off like like a superhero or something in a Marvel comic. But um, Scott was very good in the screen pass game. Um, we still have yet to see him kind of break very many from the backfield plays for touchdowns, but we know that's coming, probably the same coming from Ray Ray McLeod if he can bounce back from that MCL. But across the board, I feel like the offense was solid. Um, any parting thoughts from you? Uh, yeah, the thing with Rimfro, I really just think uh, it, he's a freshman, and so he had a freshman game. He's in the big spotlight, and he's allowed to have moments like this. That's fine. He's still going to be a factor for us moving forward. Jordan Leggett, he's finally what we wanted Jordan Leggett to be. Um, he's really making a difference. He's he didn't score a touchdown in this game, right? But prior to that, I think he had scored touchdowns in several games straight. So he's yep. been huge this year. Um, other wide receivers, you know, we continue to say at peak, continues to get better as the season goes along. He had some great, solid catches yesterday. Kane really came on 
um, more towards the middle end of the game and put together some uh, really big catches, obviously, that touchdown play. Uh, unfortunately, Ray McLeod went out with, as we mentioned, a uh, knee injury, uh, sprained to that MCL. So hopefully we get him back. You know, he needs to continue to get the reps uh, in games for him to be a, a huge uh, a weapon for us, really, going into a possible playoff situation and definitely ACC championship game. So hope to get him back pretty quick. <clears throat> well, with that, let's move on to the defense. Um, for me, actually, as much as we could, we could laud the offense, and you know, Deion Kane's touchdown was crucial. Wayne Gallman for sure. Deshaun making plays all over. For me, the game ball goes to the defense. Um, despite looking like we might have a continued hangover effect with that lapse on the Dalvin Cook touchdown, the defense only allowed six points on two field goals in the final 59 and a quarter minutes in this game. Um, and considering where a lot of their drives started where a lot of Florida State's long drives continued into the red zone. To come out of that, only allowing 13 points to this, this offense, with who has very many playmakers of their own, um, to me just speaks volumes. And um, we were just talking. I mean, I, it never felt to me like the defense was having a dominant performance. But we, we sort of at one point looked up and we're like, man, this game, you know, it's, it's getting deep into the fourth quarter and they only have 13 points. And to start out with seven and not really let that many up, I mean – they kind of quietly went about their business, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, Florida State did seem like they were putting together some drives, and I felt the same way as I was watching the game. I didn't really feel like the defense was being all that dominant, although they did step up and make big plays when they had to. But yeah, to outscore Florida State 23-6 to after that opening touchdown, 17-3 to in the second half was was huge. You know, part of that goes into uh, Florida State has not been very good in the red zone this year, and that continued in this game. Um, and then also some inopportune plays on their part. I mean, there was uh, the fumble caused by Ben Bulware, yep. and then uh, that— They didn't get the fourth down. Yeah, the third and one, fourth and one right in a row where we stuffed them. Uh, so those are big-time plays, and obviously the uh, interception by Adrian Baker. So, yeah, it was kind of a bend-don't-break type of day, but really when it came down to it and the lights were shining and it was a big moment, they stepped up and got the job done. Yeah, and this defense continues to. I think we did have those highlight plays, um, and that that brought it home for us. And this defense getting stuff done. But Florida State was two of twelve on third down, um, very much throughout the game, not letting on that crucial down, not letting drives continue, not letting Dalvin Cook. Um, there are a few plays where I think they had, and again, credit the fan base on, you know, getting him into third and long and second and longs where they weren't able to convert, you know, based on penalties. But um, two, two of 12 on third down, Clemson continues to have a very impressive slate um, in, in late, downs, late down and long setups. So um, maybe we can get into what we, what we expected here from the defense or what we were looking for and see how that, that graded out. Um, I think ultimately we prepared for two quarterbacks. We really only saw one. We saw Sean McGuire. Really, Everett Golson never, never got a single snap in this game. And in terms of whether we thought that played our advantage throughout, I think I was surprised that at some point in the second half, Jimbo Fisher didn't start a series with Everett Golson just to try to get a spark for his team, just to show Clemson some different looks. Um, and I think that sentiment has been echoed across some of the Florida State fan base that I saw on Twitter and um, on Tomahawk Nation. Yeah, and assuming that Golson was healthy for this game, I was really surprised not to see him because it essentially means that you know, Jimbo chose a pocket passer uh, to lead this team against our secondary, which for the most part is very, very good. Um, maybe part of that goes to the fact that we haven't been getting a huge pass rush out, out of our front four. Uh, Golson, better with his legs, uh, again, is why I'm surprised he wasn't in there because you have a little bit more dynamicism there to, to make some big plays. Of course, they get that out of Cook, but be able to have that out of two guys in the backfield seems like it's more of an advantage. Um, that being said, sometimes Golson can just run himself into pressure. And so maybe that was the, you know, coming off of the Syracuse beatdown that Florida State had and with McGuire playing so well, knowing McGuire has that beat us last year in Tallahassee. He was just kind of going with the hot hand and nothing ever really took off for him. He didn't, McGuire himself didn't have a great game. He had less than 200 yards passing. Um, so whether they thought that, you know, bringing Golson in, who's, even uh, an even worse passer was really going to limit them. 
um, to just running the football, which maybe they didn't think they could do outside of uh, Dalvin Cook busting big plays. Right. But really not sure. But at the end of the day, you know, we handled what they threw at us. Yeah, one area that we didn't necessarily see um, lead to a lot of turnovers or three and outs, et cetera, was the lack of a pass rush. I think we were looking to get a push from the front four without the need to have our linebackers come up and um, keep their offense honest. So slight issues generating an organic pass rush with the front four, uh, especially with some depth issues on that Florida State O-line. This might be something that gets concerning if we look ahead into a playoff matchup. Yeah, coming out of the NC State game, I think there's a lot of weaknesses uh, shown there, and we knew that Florida State was going to come in and try to pick on those. Um, Part of that being that if we can't get a pass rush out of our front four, you're going to have a lot more time in the pocket to be able to pick apart our defense, which, again, going back to the McGuire-Golson debate, that's where McGuire is the better man for the job there. Um, But, yeah, not a lot of pressure from the front four, and even, uh, even on blitzes, you know. Buller had an opportunity a couple times. One, he just went flying by like he tends to do. I swear sometimes it's like he's on a slip and slide out there and he just hits it and just goes flying into the backfield and just completely whiffs. Yep. Um, but ultimately, Buller pulled it together and had some big plays. But this is something, again, we're going to start to pick up our, uh, our weaknesses. We need to kind of take a look at our own selves. And this is one moving forward. Like, listen, I know we have Wake Forest and Syracuse and South Carolina left on the schedule. But then we're going to play a team, possibly North Carolina, whose offense has been flying high uh, here this season. And then if we get into the college football playoff, we're not going to be playing, you know, bad teams anymore. We're going to be really playing elite teams. So that's when all these things you really need to start to to come together and you need to improve on these weaknesses that you have. And on our defense, I think it starts there. Fair fair point. Florida State coming in only had one pick on the year and really no tur- no fumbles otherwise. So our thought was, yeah, they're finally going to play a legitimate secondary. They're going to play a, a disruptive defense. Could we prey on that or you know capitalize on that and cause more tur- turnovers? We doubled their turnover to- total on the season. Actually, we tripled it up to three now. Um, one fumble, one INT in this game, which, which both came at crucial moments. Uh, one was when they were in the red zone in the first quarter on their second series. The other, I think it ended up being not their final series, but it was one where they were hoping to come down and tie the game or take the lead um, late in the fourth quarter with the Ben Bulwer strip. So, yeah, I mean, I think turnovers, if you can win the battle two to nothing in this type of an atmosphere in a game, absolutely that, that wins you games or could lose you a game in Florida State's case. So great to see that happen. Um, I think, you know, you could talk about the secondary. Um, Certainly that Baker interception was huge, but we did see a lot of pass breakups and a lot of shutdowns. I mean, Kermit Whitfield's name was not mentioned all that much in this game. He was pretty much out there on Mack Island. Um, I think he had three catches for 21 yards. I'll take that from their number one receiver. Um, Travis Rudolph, he was their um, leading pass catcher, six catches, 86 yards, average of 14 per. That's solid. I believe he was... We were switching off coverage on him throughout this game, but never did they break, you know, a 30-yard pass or longer on us. And, um, you know, credit the secondary there. They averaged 10 yards a catch, which is still pretty solid, but we're susceptible over the middle. We know that. I think that's where they they were able to get their yardage. Well, interestingly enough, uh, they got some yardage over the middle, but not as much probably as we thought they would. Um, The the linebackers actually weren't terrible uh, yesterday in coverage. Yeah, Rudolph had a good game. And I think I'm a little more concerned that T.J. Green had some busts and, and uh, J. Ron uh, Curse seemed to be out of place a couple times. He hasn't had – he's had two games now in a row that haven't been that great. Um, but overall, the passing game was not much of a factor, and considering that's why they had Sean McGuire in there, I think that points a part of the reasons why they weren't very successful. Um, you know, we'll get to Dalvin Cook here, but, you know, we said it going in. This Florida State offense is a, is a big play or bust offense. And if, if they don't get those home runs, they don't score. And, and part of that's because how they haven't been good in the red zone this year. So, yeah, Dalvin Cook is going to bust some big plays. But if they're not getting it out of the passing game as well, then that's they become less and less dynamic. Then it just becomes the Dalvin Cook show, and we started to bottle him up as the game went along. I think we saw a similar look when we played Notre Dame, where we effectively shut down C.J. Procise, and they ended up having to find a way to score on us and move the ball. They did get that later in the game with wheel routes and with some delayed timing patterns over the middle. 
Um, but we try to make Florida State as one-dimensional as possible. That's sort of the hallmark of a Brent Venables defense. And I think we were, by and large, successful. Um, it would have been nice to get maybe some crisper safety play in this one, like you said. But uh, by and large, like I do think the game plan was sound and we executed it well. Um, so our secondary certainly was physical. Um, we were looking for that coming in. Let's flip it over to run defense. So um, really, we saw a lapse in the first play of the game. You could argue, well, was B.J. Goodson held there? If he was not held, would he have been able to make a play? I think so. But I, I still think, like, man, did we not need that start to this game? Well, and that's the thing. Even if Goodson isn't held or the fact that he was held, another concerning thing is that there was nobody else behind him or around him that could have made a play. And, you know, I think it was Green that, that Chase cooked down to make that tackle, and they called a horse collar in that play, too. I don't know how that was a horse collar when he grabbed him on top of his shoulder pads, um, on top of his shoulders with his I think hands. It was the way, I think it was actually the way Cook fell that made it look like a typical horse collar takedown but yeah and I understand that but it couldn't be more clear to me like his hands were not within the shoulder pads like mm -hmm. they were on top of the shoulder so anyways I think a, a couple of bad calls from the referees on that play but at the same time we needed to take a look at ourselves and be like how did we get in that position uh, again linebackers not being able to get off blocks in this game was big and a lot of the reason why Cook was able to find success you know on top of the fact that he's just a dynamic very very good runner um Ben Boulware had a couple bad reads and missed some gaps, um, but ultimately he came up big on uh, that fourth and one play and then again causing Rudolph's fumble. Um, so, you know, we, we've, we've known this is going to be a weak spot um, all year, especially from a depth issue. Uh, what we can't afford to happen is our starters to start to be a weak spot for us too. I think the last two games there's been some um, exposure in this group of guys, and we'll keep talking about it. Um, I know it seems like it's near the end of the season, but we still potentially have six games left on the schedule. Uh, so yep. that's plenty of time to approve, especially with a month off um, in December uh, to practice, get ready for a bowl or playoff game. Well, and I think this is, this is where the defensive line and the interior of that line, we can figure out the right combination of guys for situation down a distance um, to, to get the right players in there. We're, we, we added DJ Reader back into the lineup. Christian Wilkins, freshman, has been a revelation this year. And Scott Pagano, um, he's probably the third banana in that, in that uh, situation. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, like how can we find the right combination of these guys to slow down the run? Well, I think you're starting to see Pagano play less and less. At least I'm not noticing him out there as much. Wilkins played a – you know, he had that huge tackle on Cook where – Cook was about to bust it you know, to the end zone for another touchdown had he not made that play and really just flipped him. So that was great to see um, on our end. Shaq Lawson, I didn't hear a lot from Kevin Dodd in this game, but Shaq Lawson saw him go out with a shoulder injury and then, but was able to gut it out and come back in. And then Austin Bryant, really towards the end of the game, you saw, saw him start to get in there and make some plays. So great to see his development as the season goes along because, again, as you get deeper into a season, that's, you want more and more depth really because of health issues or just from people wearing down. And, you know, these guys are super talented. They're all going to develop at different paces. Uh, we saw Wilkins from the get-go this year get out there. Now he's starting to see it out of Austin Bryant, too, and that's really positive. <clears throat> Definitely, and I think what we talked about earlier lauding this defense was huge stops in the red zone uh, and on third down. So those are the aspects where you can kind of, between the 30s, give up all this stuff, you know, let Dalvin Cook get his, but... Ultimately, it's about points, and it's about containment and not extending drives and get let's get our offense back on the field. And this defense did that. They stepped up. They Again, they went 2-12 two, two and, th and twelve on third down. Um, no real, real big plays. And then in the red zone, um, they contained them to two field goals. And Dalvin Cook's touchdown was a long run. So um, definitely kudos to the defense for that. Um, I, I think we're going to play much more difficult offenses than what Florida State showed us this week. Dalvin Cook was not at 100%, but he still broke off that run. He broke off a couple other long ones. Those are probably touchdowns if he's 100%. So, again, areas to improve we touched on, but um, for this day, for this team, for the condition FSU was in, um, our defense stepped up. Yeah, let's face it, though. Throughout the year, we've not really faced an elite offense. I think probably Notre Dame, the best offense, now haven't seen us play the game, is the best offense that we've seen. And it, it's that was in a hurricane, exactly. And it, it's interesting to, to to actually say this now, but it, going into a possible uh, matchup against North Carolina in the ACC championship game, 
they've been putting up some numbers, and they seem to have a really good offense. So, you know, we haven't had our stiffest test yet by any stretch of the imagination on defense. And to be able to kind of point out these flaws and have them become so apparent in a couple of these games, especially North Carolina State and Florida State now, two games in a row for us to have some issues. Again, Florida State's a really good team. You know, not going to you know, take anything from them. But at the same time, it's okay for us to take a look and be like, okay, if we're yeah. seriously talking about winning a national championship, what areas do we have to improve on? Because we can't remain content. This team cannot remain content to be at where they're at. They're going to have to continue to, to fight and improve the rest of the season. Uh, but you know what? Given what I've seen out of them this year and knowing our coaches, I totally expect that not to be an issue and that they're going to keep fighting and keep getting better um, until the season's over. Yeah, which is sort of a scary thought. I mean, I think from if you just take the eye test, let's not take stats into, into account or result. Um, I don't think we were seeing as good a defense as we had a year ago. Where and a, part, a big part of that was depth. We had a lot of our starters this year as the two We're on the, the two deep. deep. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I mean, we know we have seen with our own eyes a Clemson defense play at a higher level. And whether in the remaining five six games this year, this core group can get to that level, we'll see. But I think they themselves have seen that that ceiling and that that upside that they can grow into, and the coaching staff knows how to get them there. So um, again, hopefully. Syracuse, Wake Forest. We don't want to. We don't want to pencil in W's for those. But um, if we can get either, you know, more more of the depth, some playing time and experience, we can get some of these guys taking the right type of risks to develop better and improve their games. Like, let's do it. These are the weeks. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and I think too, what's going to be big is the month off that we have in between the ACC championship game and the bowl game. Um, you know. A lot of guys can turn the corner in those like three weeks of practice or how how much ever it is. We'll have to get. I'd like to get um maybe someone on in an interview capacity that can talk about like preparation for a bowl. Right. Um. Is it strength and conditioning? Is it weight room? Is it film breakdown? Like what what does that look like to develop? Let's take a look at that. Yeah. Or, and why some guys seem to make a tremendous jump? Maybe they just you know you get more attention. You kind of get back to the basics in some areas, but. To be able to, in these final few games and then in that time off, to get guys like Dorian O'Daniel and Kendall Joseph, uh, maybe one of them can really turn the corner. Or, you know, you saw Mark Fields get into the game against Florida State. I think we saw Van Smith in there as well. And then obviously Adrian Baker had that pick. You know, you really start to develop these guys and you don't have to wait till next season. You know, we can finish out the end of our regular season here in the ACC Championship and get that month of practice in. And then go into the playoff with some some added guys kind of to the team and some added depth there from guys who just really, you know, really improved over that you know period of time. Again, we're still talking about, uh, you know, a month and a half, almost two months until uh, that New Year's Eve uh, first uh, uh, first playoff games. Yeah, that's a lot of time. Yeah, it's going to be about three plus weeks, probably three weeks um, between ACC championship and that game. So plenty of time to get back in, break things down, and improve. Uh, anyway, again, game ball to the D. Great work here. Still some room to grow, but uh, holding that Florida State offense and those playmakers at 13, you know, I take that as a win. Especially with Cook putting up, like, a, what, 192 yards rushing for them only to have one touchdown. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. 194, I think. Um, so last phase of the game, we'll keep this super brief, then we'll touch on action elsewhere. Um, special teams. So... You guys were hoping for this to improve across the board. I'll quickly rattle off what we were looking for. Then we can talk results, um, especially kick coverage, punting yardage, and then on extra points, we missed a couple of those in the NC State game due to blocks. Uh, just secure our punts. Oh boy, we can talk about that. Uh, and then just discipline overall, like no no penalties, no mishaps, etc. Um, and then how does Greg Hugel look? So maybe let's start with Greg Hugel. I thought he was great. I thought his work in some high-pressure moments on some high-leverage kicks, uh, he nailed all of his field goals and PATs, um, so good for Hugel. I mean, I think a lot of people who look at Clemson as an elite, an elite program, you can't have an elite program if your place kicker um, can't be counted on in these moments, but we're Clemson fans. We've all been following this team when that has not been a part of this team. So um, I'm never going to take that for granted, having lived through the Aaron Hunt years, Jad Dean was awesome, but he also had some lapses over the years. And um, even Catman from time to time would, would let us down in some spots. Love all those guys. 
Uh, but Hugo, for one, on this time, um, hit all his kicks. Yeah, now granted, they were all under 40 yards. So do I really trust him in a big-time situation from 40-plus, maybe 45-plus? Yeah, he's not Robert Aguayo. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, even Aguayo coming into this game, I think, was only one of five over 40 yards this year after winning the Lou Groza Award last year. But, yeah, I mean, Hugo, this still is a high-pressure situation in a big game, and he came through and he hit the kicks that he needed to hit. We kind of got over that up uh, extra point uh, issue that we've had the past two games with, I think, three blocks, one in Miami and then two uh, in NC State. So, yeah, he just continues to hit the kicks that he's asked to kick. Again, we'll see if he can actually start, if we get into a situation, how comfortable we feel if he has to hit a long one because I'm still not comfortable in that. But for now, he's getting the job done. Yeah, and it depends where some of these games are played, too. I mean, if you see Clemson play in that Cotton Bowl, you'll be in Jerry World, which is indoor, won't have the elements, won't have kicking off grass um, come into play. He could be, We could be playing that game at Sun Life Stadium, which is grass, which is who knows what it's going to be like in Miami. It could be a monsoon there on December 31st. So, again, you know, we'll see the next few weeks if he gets some longer distance kicks, some experience there. I'd like to see the coaching staff instead of, like, Let's go for it on fourth. Let's let's kick some like forty-eight yarders. Let's see what he's capable of in that range. If we have a big lead, yeah. Of if course, it's, if it's close, Granted, no, you just, exactly. <laughs> I think I'm assuming the, we'll, we'll we'll have that. We'll have some opportunities here in the coming games. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I imagine we would we will as well. Um, <clears throat> so, all right, so let's turn our turn our seeing eye here to the rest of the special teams course. So um, let's start with when Clemson's kicking off. Um, Ammon, Ammon Lakeup, I think, has been. A much, much improved compared to what Hugo was doing in the early going of the season when Lakeup was suspended in getting more touchbacks. That being said, he's not getting enough of them. And I don't know what's, what the variance is there, what's causing that. I imagine it's super hard. Otherwise, we'd see everybody kicking touchbacks all the time. But um, when we don't kick touchbacks, man... We, have, we, have, we still have a problem. Yeah, but it's weird. It's almost like on his short kicks, like he's meaning to do that because otherwise he was kicking it. Do you think it's a strategic thing? I, I, I don't know how it could be. Why would it be? Right. Are we, I mean, I know he kind of kicked it high in the air to let some guys get down there, but I don't see it as strategy to, to me, especially with how bad our kick coverage has been. I mean, otherwise he's kicking it like five, seven yards deep into the end zone. Just do that every time. Yeah, I mean, if we... Without doing that, we don't have the average numbers in front of us for starting field position, but there has to be a reason we're not booting it deep every time like that. So uh, it's it's beyond us, but it's not working out. Um, there was after um, later on in the game after the Deion Kane touchdown on that ensuing kickoff, uh, their returner nearly took it to the house. He ran into his own blocker. Um, otherwise, he had you know daylight beyond him. And, and talk about momentum swings. I mean, that's something that can really keep a game close and, and turn the momentum in a game, especially if you go down and score a big touchdown or something to take a lead and you immediately give it back up like that to a long kick return. That's, that's big. And, again, this is another one of those areas. These are, this is where you're going to lose games to really good teams. Um, I know nobody likes to talk about special teams, but, I mean, just across the board, I mean, it's not just kick coverage either. I mean, punt returns... Um, have been, you know, pedestrian um, this year. Punting itself has been pretty up and down and honestly not that very good. And it, this is all, um, the result of all of this is really poor field position. Like, we're giving teams good starting field position, and then we're getting pinned back deep in our own territory to start drives. So we really got to put it together. You know, uh, Teasdall um, earlier in the year was, I think, was doing better at, at punting, but now, not so much. It's just he's getting 30-something yarders, had 128-yarder, I guess, and it's just not yeah. good. We need these things to be 45 yards, you know, 40, 45 yards at least. Yeah, and hopefully increased practice time to be able to focus on these is going to help um, and experience in these games against lesser opponents than we've been facing. So, you know, unacceptable that these are lapses on our team. Could hurt us. We're a broken record at this point. We talk about this every week, so... I just don't understand. I mean, with I mean, okay, the the kickers aside, but even like returning for us, um, kick returns and punt returns with all the talent that we have on the team, why can we not? Why are we not more dynamic in the return game? Like this could be a huge advantage for us to be able to score quickly um, on big returns, but it's just not happening. I mean, punt returns, we just catch the ball, 
Sometimes we muff the ball, but wherever the ball lands, that's where we take it. You know, we don't get any sort of return, and we're constantly, like, starting at, like, the 20-yard line off of kick returns. We don't seem to get much further. Uh, McLeod breaks one every once in a while, but that's about it. Yeah, Renfro has not been as dynamic, as great in that role. And I don't know if they're trying to slot him in there because he's, he's our new Adam Humphreys. But, um, yeah, I think his hands, maybe, but then he had that muff and you saw him get pulled after that, which I thought was weird because otherwise he played pretty well. Um, has been playing pretty well with the punt returns. Yep. But, I mean, it's just obvious. We're not going to return punts, so we need to get over that. Just get the ball, secure it, and we'll hand work it over on, to our offense. Hand over the offense, and we'll work on this for next year. Well, uh, let's let's wrap the game up and move on. Um, I think for my thoughts overall, I mean, this was a phenomenal program win. Again, we defended our number one ranking, won the, won the division, got the monkey off our back of three years in a row losing to the Seminoles, um, and really just you know continue to move on in a magical season at this point. Um, I think there was a quote from Dabo that said, these are the good old days. These are kind of the new good old days. And I agree with that. I think a lot of us are going to look back at 2015 as hopefully not the absolute high point, but one of the pinnacles of the modern Clemson era. Um, I think in years, recent years past, we've had recruiting classes. Um, we've had friendly schedules. We've had good talent, and we've had good coaches. This is a year a lot of that has all culminated and come together. And I don't want to chalk this up to playing a down ACC, um, squeaking by Notre Dame with the help of Mother Nature, um, you know, having a all our tough opponents at home, you know, yeah, you need the, you need to take advantage of those. You still have to win your games and we're seeing our team have adversity and come back and, and win all these games and um, persevere and come through at nine and zero. So anyway, I think it, as a fan base, we need to take a step back and just appreciate what we have because in years past we've had some of the same factors and just, it hasn't really worked out for us. So um, I'm taking that as a win and we're not done yet. I mean, there's still a lot of goals we still have to achieve this season. It's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, let's do take a little bit of a step back and be like, hey, okay, yeah, this was an absolutely great win over Florida State. We're the number one team in the country. And it was huge for the program, um, absolutely. But we, we're, not, we're not finished with what we set out to accomplish this year. And we just need to keep grinding um, if we're going to achieve those goals. You know, we still can't afford any letdowns moving forward. We have four games left in the essentially the regular season. And we have to win all of those games if we want to find ourselves in the college football playoff. And we can take a lot from this Florida State game and look at um, and have concerns and have some areas where we really need to improve um, if we're going to be this elite team. That being said, I am really excited about what's gone on this year. I think we're ahead of schedule. Um, I think the coaches have done a great job. I think the players have been fantastic and have really progressed, and a lot of guys have stepped up. And we're seeing that play out from week to week. Um, it was just a really awesome feeling to see us, that number one next to Clemson, and then go in and get behind, but then come back and win this game and show that we're the better team. This, these are different Clemson teams than, you, than you're used to seeing from years past. I mean, these guys have the attitude. They have the confidence. We have a quarterback who is a natural leader, and we have coaches who are great leaders of young men. And it's, it's really all, I mean, you're, you're seeing it all play out in front of us this year. Um, I think this is just the beginning. This is not the peak. This is, I mean, a lot of good, great things are, are uh, I expect them to come here in the future for Clemson football just because of the, uh, how recruiting has gone, the amount of talent that we have, the facilities, the coaching staff, I mean, everything. You put it all together, this is going to be an era of Clemson football, not just one season. Yeah, I think what's also nice is this is happening in 2015, a year when the rest of the country, there isn't really this other dominant team emerging. Like you don't have a legendary Bama team from that like almost three in a row national championship run. This isn't coinciding with that. So that's, I think, why you, yes, I think we've earned our number one billing. Um, but nationally, I, I mean, I think we're, we're definitely up there. I, I like us against any team right now in a neutral site game. Yes, we've got room to improve, but no other team is perfect at this point. Like everyone's pretty flawed. Um, and I, I, you know, again, there's, six more games potentially in this season there's still time for someone like Alabama to round into form plow through their remaining games um, and run away with the playoff but um, I think we're we're definitely worthy of our top ranking and you look through the other conferences you know a lot of them will all have one loss we've got the probably the clearest path to an undefeated season knock on wood um, of any team in any conference at this point 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think um, from who we have left on the schedule, even going up against a, a good North Carolina team, there's no reason for us to lose barring injuries at this point because we have the talent and we're just a better team all around. There's no reason for us to lose a game uh, the rest of this season and you know before the, the playoffs. And I, I fully expect that, expect that we're going to win all of them because if we don't and we can't handle the pressure, then we're just not cut out for it this year and then it really is going to be next year. But I don't think that's the case. I'm seeing something different out of this Clemson team, I, and I really do to expect us to run the table to finish off the season. It's going to be exciting. Um, so yesterday was outside of our game. After that, I kind of took took my eyes off the scoreboard a bit. I mean, I did watch some of the games later, but after we got the win, it was you know I was basically rooting for upsets from that point on. Yeah. Um, we got we had a few. So let's touch on these quickly. We're we're kind of at the 55 minute mark here. Um, so Alabama ranked fourth in the CFP poll coming in, uh, took care of LSU at home. They won by two touchdowns, but this one was definitely felt a lot like a lot bigger, bigger win than that was. Um, LSU was ranked second coming in, um, but ultimately their heart and soul of their football team, Leonard Fournette was held in check with 31 yards. That's just incredible. Um, for yeah. Alabama to do that. And then on Alabama's side, Derrick Henry with 210 rushing yards. They really kind of flipped the script on this one. Listen, Alabama has that one loss to an Ole Miss team who is not as good as everybody thought they were. Um, but they're they're going to be a tough team to beat. I mean, as they always are. Um, so if we square up against them in a college football playoff, it, it's not going to be an easy game. Like, this is a good team, and they deserve to be in the top four, in my opinion, at this point. I mean, unless they get upset by Auburn, I'm not sure who they play between now and then, or even lose to Florida in that title game. Like, I just think Bama is going to make it into this playoff. Unless they lose a second time, and I think no they would keeping them out, and I think that they would deserve to. Sure, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I just as much as the next next guy like to to kind of be critical of everybody pumping the SEC, especially how a lot of their teams are playing this year. But you know, I can separate Alabama and look at them on you know kind of uh, an objective basis, just st- them standing alone, and they are a really good football team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what they've done out of conference, I mean, they they smoked Wisconsin. Um, we haven't seen too much of out-of-conference play other than that game, but you sort of do have to give a Nick Saban team the benefit of the doubt as much as I'm just sick of seeing them in the picture every year. Um, so that was interesting. LSU, it looks like, in the AP poll dropped to number nine. Who knows if they could crawl their, their way back in being only a one-loss team, but, um, man, I would love to see that not happen. Well, I think the fact that it was a two-touchdown um, loss and it wasn't really ultimately a close game, um, that it kind of keeps them from getting back in there. Not to mention that they're not going to go to the SEC championship game. So I think by default that keeps them out. Right. Um, so, you know, I guess kind of looking around at some of the other teams that are up there near us. Ohio State did not put together a stellar performance against Minnesota. Only beat them 28-14. to Minnesota not a good team. Now we'll see a, a JT Barrett come back next week as the starter after that uh, – that little pansy one-game suspension and loss of a scholarship for a semester. For yeah. uh, I mean, I, the Buckeyes, we haven't seen their best football yet this year. They showed it for about a quarter against Virginia Tech, and that's about it. JT Barrett had a good game prior to his, I'm going to call it a DUIRS because that's really what it is. Um, but we'll see the next two weeks. I mean, they're, they're going to get Michigan State. They're going to get Michigan to end the year. Um, can they look dominant and deserving of a top four ranking or is this just remembering what they did a year ago and biasing that I but th- i think if they if they could obviously lose either of those games or not look very impressive in it and then if you've got like a, a stellar one loss bama a st- we'll see what notre dame and or stanford look like and then you've got the um the baylor or oklahoma state champion coming through we'll see about ohio state in the big T- big 10 and the big 10 suffered a pretty pretty embarrassing loss this week with michigan state losing to nebraska you could you could chalk that up to the refs, but the refs didn't allow three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to Nebraska. Michigan State's defense did. Yeah, um, I, I think overall that the Big Ten is an overrated conference. Um, that being said, Ohio State, if they go undefeated, I'd have a hard time keeping them out of the playoff. You know, yeah. they're coached by Urban Meyer. That's going to weigh heavily on that decision. So, so then let's talk about a team like Notre Dame, who actually dropped from five to six. Uh, and the AP poll, even with a 42-30 win over Pitt, you know, last week I was thinking, you know, if they went out, that they're for sure, I thought they, they have a really good chance of being in. 
But now you're seeing a team like Oklahoma State really jump up. Um, you know, they beat uh, TCU pretty handily by 20 points this week, and they jumped up to five in both polls. Um, so Oklahoma State's a big factor now. They went out, I think they surpassed a Notre Dame. And then you're talking Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, Clemson. And I think that's a very big possibility. So North Carolina was looking better for them last week, not so much this week. Yeah, it's interesting. I think outside of Bama, for a one-loss team to get in, you're going to need that Big 12 to just implode. And I don't think any of them are going to get in with one loss, considering they don't have that um, championship game, you know, definitive championship there. So, um, and there's going to be multiple one loss teams in the Big 12. So, um, I think you could potentially see a Notre Dame or a Stanford get in there, only if the Big 12 just shoots itself in the foot. Yeah, I don't know. And I think I said North Carolina. I meant Notre Dame. Uh, I I just think that the, the Pac-12 is not not good this year. They're I think the worst probably, of uh, either them or the Big Ten maybe, but probably the Pac-12, the worst of the Big Five conferences. So that doesn't help Notre Dame's schedule. I think Stanford definitely doesn't get in, but Stanford looking weaker, even if Notre Dame beats them, doesn't look great for them. And I think even the Big 12 without a title game, Oklahoma State goes undefeated. I think they get in. Yep. Very well could be. Uh, I think we touched on some of the you know, other top 10 teams. Um, we saw several losses there. Outside of that, in implications for us uh unc just smoked duke i watched the beginning part of this game getting ready for the clemson game the final score is a gaudy 66 to 31 total um really on the strength of marquise williams they've been playing really well they did lose the gamecocks so i'll never forgive them for that but yeah they're they're peaking at the right time and they still play miami they still play i think virginia tech so certainly could stumble in one or two of those games but we're probably going to face the Tar Heels um, coming out of the Coastal. Yeah, they're playing really well right now. And how they weren't included in the first top 25 of the college football playoff rankings uh, was a bit of a head-scratcher to, to me. Good to see them respond like that, though. I mean, yeah. imagine they felt disrespected, and they're like, well, we better put up a number against Duke. And they'll be in there this week, that's for sure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the ACC Coastal is not going to be a pushover, if North, especially if North Carolina makes it like we thought they may be. Um, yeah. it, it will be a tough game, and I think it will be higher scoring than we're comfortable seeing. Uh, but at the end of the day, I still don't think they can take us. I think we have too much on the, uh, on the field, more talent well, uh, than they do. At this point, I'm rooting for them to just win the rest of their um, regular season games. Like I think, again, if Clemson wins out, I don't think you can leave us out of the playoff at all. But, 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 but the that playoff ranking will be, be in the dust settles. And I think if North Carolina... Let's say they get in at number 20 this week, which I think that would be reasonable to expect. Um, what will they look like in four weeks from now or five weeks from now? Um, continuing to move up, if we get another win against some teens ranked team, that could help our, our standing in that end-of-season poll. So um, we'll see there. There are a number of other really ugly games, most of them involving SEC teams that we don't need to talk about. Uh, but the Gamecocks suffered yet another loss at the hands of Tennessee. Um, Tennessee, one of the most overrated teams in the country, but the Gamecocks still could not come out on top. So close. Cody so absolutely close. was watching every snap of that game, though, right? <laughs> Three-point loss, man. Man, guys, you got close. Um, <laughs> elsewhere around the SEC, wow, Florida 9, Vanderbilt 7. Yeah, that's uh, that's your SEC East uh, representative. Yeah, they clinched, right? Yeah, in the SEC championship game. Squeak Number by, 10 in the country. Yeah, sweep by Vanderbilt by two points. Um, and then how about Arkansas over Ole Miss, 53-52, to 52, and then Auburn, uh, uh, unranked, beating a 19 Texas A&M. Um, you're now seeing there's only three SEC teams in the in the AP Top 25 right now. That's a far cry from probably like the wow. 8 to they'll 10 probably that they are. They'll re-rank Arkansas and Auburn in about a week. That's so good, good point. Don't worry about that. Um, yeah, I mean – Again, I think this is Ole Miss's third loss, a transitive loss for them. Memphis lost to Navy, so that should make Bama's loss to Ole Miss look even worse. It won't, but ultimately it should. So anyway, I think the outside of the, the cream of the crop in the SEC, it's, it's kind of a mess over there. Uh, all right, so enough of the scoreboard. I think just for the polls, we touched on it, but Clemson was finally rated number one in the AP. That's great. Let's take that one to the bank. Um, college football playoff rankings come out this Tuesday. We will touch on that in our um, Syracuse preview episode. Uh, interestingly, we're number two in the coaches poll. Bama moved up to number one. 
not sure where they were last week. Um, I think we were still in the, the five, six range a week ago. Uh, coach's poll is a complete joke, so I think we should just stop talking about it. Uh, Ohio State's still number one in that oh, okay. poll. Mm-hmm. I think Bama was uh, number one in John Wilner's poll, and we all, we all know about him. But uh, no, yeah, Ohio State remains in that number one spot in the coach's poll. Um, Urban Meyer, must, uh, he must get multiple votes on that one. Um, again, that, the poll's kind of a joke. It's, you know, one team loses and they shift everybody up one. There's no really thought, I don't think, put into it. So let's just not pay attention to that. We're number one in the AP. We're number one in the college football playoff rankings. For now, at least, we'll see what happens on Tuesday. I feel strongly that we should remain number one. And, hey, let's just enjoy it. You know what? We're, we're number one. And we won our first game after being number one, so let's take the next step and win our second game after being number one. Yeah, and even if Bama jumped us, like, I'm not going to worry about it. They beat the number two team at, at number four. So, again, we're we're going to be jockeying for a position there. Win our games, win them definitively. If, you know, Bama struggles, they struggle against Tennessee. They've struggled throughout the season. They could do that in the coming weeks. Like, they got up for LSU, but we'll see. If we're beating Syracuse and Wake Forest by... 40 points, something like that, I mean, we'll very much be able to reclaim that number one spot. Yeah, Bama still has at Mississippi State, which is a, I mean, it could be a close game. I'm not going to call it a, a, a possible loss. Um, they got at Auburn to finish off the year, and then Charleston Southern sandwiched in between them. So, in all honesty, I expect them, reasonably, I would expect them to win out um, and then see what they can do in the SEC championship game. But I think at this point, we better get used to them being in the top four. 100%. Uh, well, guys, we will be back this week with our Syracuse preview. Maybe before we sign off, we'll talk to you about the beer we're drinking tonight. Um, so we're going a little East Coast, West Coast here. Uh, beer we're consuming at the moment is from Dogfish Head. I believe that is in, is it Rhode Island? Vermont. Delaware. Delaware. One of those states, Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the Namaste. So this is a white beer, sort of like a wheat, wheat type beer. Um, I don't know if ever, anyone's familiar with Einstock. That's an Icelandic beer. They make a white ale that's very good. This is basically the equivalent of that. Um, it's 4.8%. They call this a white beer brewed with orange slices, lemongrass, coriander, and peppercorns. Um, so it's sort of a, I don't know, it's kind of a lighter, it's not quite a Hefeweizen, but kind of a combo between that and maybe what you'd expect from like a blonde. So it's decent. Um, we also drank earlier on, uh, it's a Lagunitas. They do a lot of these sort of special beers. I'm not sure how widely distributed this one's going to be, but they call this their Born Yesterday Pale Ale. We got this one in honor of um, the newborn in the podcast family. It's called the Born Yesterday Pale Ale. Um, it's pretty hoppy, though, for a pale ale as they go, uh, Lagunitas being you know kind of of IPA fame. So I like this one a lot. I thought it was you know a good balance for me. I'm not a huge hophead IPA guy, so I liked it. No, I thought it was really good, too, and I was surprised by the amount of hops in it. Like, it's damn near an IPA to me, but, um, yeah, it was yeah. really fantastic. It's on the right side of it for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I think both these beers were, were awesome. They both have kind of a little kick, a little spice yeah. in them, which, exactly. uh, you know, this time of year is uh, not a bad thing. Yep. Um, so, yeah, really enjoyed them. Definitely. Better than PBR I was drinking all day yesterday at the bar. That's a good point. we got to balance that out. <laughs> we're going quality today, quantity yesterday yep. of the game, so... <laughs> Uh, well, that's all we had, guys. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Appreciate everybody with the support. We had a ton of listens on that FSU preview. Hopefully everyone came back for this recap. Um, and if you've not yet, please tell a friend, get us a review up on iTunes, and go ahead and subscribe to us so you don't have to keep coming to our website. Uh, thank you, and with that, go Tigers.